Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the DJ Sessions Presents the Virtual Sessions. I'm your host, Darren, and right now I'm sitting in the virtual studios in Seattle, Washington, and coming in all the way from Mountain Time and Colorado, Denver, Colorado that is, we have Leah Luna on the show today. Leah, how's it going today? I'm all right, thanks. All right, we're going to give a quick shout out. Did you see out. my cat walk by? <laughs> no, I didn't see your cat walk by. Oh man, okay. So, gonna give a quick shot, top of the show shout out to DJ Hay, one of our resident DJs coming in from San Diego. DJ Hay, thanks for tuning in and watching the show today. There goes the cat walking around in the background. How awesome. You know, I was just watching my friend's two cats for a couple months uh, during the shows, and you know, that's they want the attention. That's what it's all about. I'd have them jump right up here on my lap and start meowing. What's your cat's name? This is Chuck. Mrs. Chuck. <laughs> it's, is it this is Chuck or Mrs. Chuck? Chuck. Just Chuck. 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 Just Chuck. <laughs> awesome. So you're coming in all the way from Denver, Colorado, but you have quite the busy schedule right now. You were telling me pre-show that you just did a show last weekend that you, you did 10 hours of DJing last weekend. Tell us all about that. 10 hours and two shows. Oh, 10 uh, hours, two shows. Yeah. Uh, I played a disco night. That was a, a long show. And then the next night, I my friend was supposed to play, but he got injured. He got hit by a car. So I ended up covering for him and playing 10 hours of disco in one weekend. But it was awesome because disco's like, you know, it's half a century of music. So we don't run out of it ever. And there's like classic disco, new disco, disco house, all that stuff. Um, Italo disco, all the things. So I went on a journey. It was worth it. When I was a kid growing up, there was only one kind of disco. <laughs> <laughs> You're dating yourself there. <laughs> and one kind of, and one kind of house. And one kind of techno. We didn't, I, I mean, I remember working at the record store as a kid and I was 90, 1992, first one of my first jobs out of high school, working at Warehouse Records, and the electronic music section was, I think. Maybe about 20 or 30 CDs. Maybe 20 or 30 CDs. And they didn't even know where to classify it or put it because it didn't have, like, the rest of the store was all rock music, you know, or, or jazz or, you know, yeah. your, your, your typical genres of music at that time. Uh, there was a bigger rap section than there was electronic music in 1992. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, I would go to the record store in like 98 looking for rave flyers and then end up buying some like compilation electronic music CD. But all the good stuff was on tape back then. We would just make mixtapes. And if there was a CD out, we were like, who's doing this? It must be an album. It was like, I don't know, the Crystal Method and Chemical Brothers and Prodigy and stuff like that. Definitely. Uh, the first double disc collection I ever bought at Tower Records in Seattle was um, Paul Oakenfold's Global Underground. And Transport was my favorite, but that's yeah. okay. They're yeah. both good. <laughs> and then I came back and I got the Sasha one, the Digweed one. Uh, you know, those ones were awesome. Pay no attention to the sirens. Everything is going okay in Seattle today. I live uh, downtown, so you're going to hear it here, too. I thought about <laughs> like opening my window and showing you the view, and I was like, there's no way there's not going to be a fire truck in five minutes. <laughs> and it happens to be pulling up right in front of my building. I'm looking at it right now. It's the rave alarm. 
Which is so funny. It's like, why is the siren still going when you all are getting out of the truck and going into the building? Oh, it, all hell's breaking loose down here now. Wow. They knew it was coming and they hit the rave alarm. It's fine. Exactly. Good. <laughs> um, so going back to the electronic music industry and, and, and your career, you know, you've been doing this for how long? How many years have you been, how many years have you been playing for producing for? Oh no, I don't want to tell you. <laughs> okay, okay. You don't okay. Have to say. I just said ninety-eight. So I mean ninety-eight is when I started going to shows. It was just my like September fifth, nineteen ninety-eight was my first party. And then I started DJing in ninety-nine, so what, twenty-three years ago? Okay. Yeah. In the vinyl days when everything was different and there was no like big stage, like festivals somebody the other day was like when was your first festival and i was like first of all we didn't call them festivals <laughs> let's start there <laughs> but um yeah i used to go to warehouse parties and mix vinyl well that was you know one of the festivals. questions you know i asked is when i started going out to clubs and, and literally 90 91 92 um the dj was not the prominent focal point of the night i would go to a club called the underground you probably know uh, Donald Glaude. We're on the same roster. He's my homie. Yeah, Donald. Donald yeah. Uh, started here, grew up. Listen, he was the first DJ I really ever saw play electronic music. Everything else was kind of top forty that we were going out to in the sixteen-year-old clubs that you can go to here in the Seattle area. And then, you know, I saw Donald Glaude playing, but he was up in this booth at a club called the Underground, and I kind of would get a way to sneak my way up there and get in the booth and hang out with. Donald Glaude in the booth watching him do his thing in the club and then I go and get out on the stage and rock it up but he wasn't the it wasn't the prominent focal point of the stage even my first rave that I went to which Donald was playing at called Green X and Ham Donald was up on the second balcony tier of the Century Ballroom looking out over the dance floor down below there was a huge stage but he was not up on the stage like you'd see something now which yeah, is just I mean, so I don't, I don't really love being the focal point. I think for like, for an artist like Donald, he should be because his energy <laughs> is crazy. I remember one time I saw him play in Miami um, when it was still called Winter Music Conference, and it was dumping rain outside, and they had only set the shade structure like to right about here, where it was barely even covering the decks, and he just decided like he was like totally rinsing it like flinging his hair with water coming off of it. And me and my friends were just raging. Like, I cannot believe he has this energy in the pouring rain. Best memory ever of that guy. Well, yeah. we have many, but it's my favorite set of his probably. Yeah, he's amazing. I love him. Every time he gets to town, I try to try to get a chance to hang out with him. And, and it's just phenomenal. I think that's what really changed my life. I used to have two separate groups of friends. Friends I would go nightclubbing with to the to the underground to the you know raving with and then friends i would listen to rap music with and go cruising in my cadillac with you know and two different genres and i couldn't bring the two to really mix because it was like they wouldn't get it you bring the guys that like the hip-hop to the electronic music they'd stand there on the wall and they'd be like what's going on i don't get this what's this electronic stuff and then you I know mean, the, the the separation of the two scenes was actually like a quintessential element of how I came to be as like a DJ and a singer anyway. Like I was going to all these underground shows and I was playing back then I was playing like breaks and drum and bass and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I didn't get into house until electro was born. Electro house was born. But, um, 
there was a time when I was trying to also like low key become a pop star <laughs> and like all my underground friends were like, uh, and you know, but I wanted to be a singer and, um, I had heard a couple like vocal records, but they were mostly like, you know, there was like singers in the house world and there were MCs in the drum and bass world, but there weren't like any huge vocal hits until like the big like EDM bubble. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I was like writing these songs that had nothing to do with the fact that I was a DJ. And I was like, how am I going to even do this? And then I was like, no, I'm just going to I'm going to remix this. I'm going to see if it's cool. And then right then was about when like EDM became a thing and people started like making things a little more like commercial, I guess. Um, and so I don't know. I've been in both of those scenes for a long time. Like you'll catch me like playing some like, I don't know, like award show gala and then like a gay <laughs> club and then a CD like warehouse after hours with completely different playlists. But I'll still have content for all of them because you know. What do you consider the biggest break that, that launched your DJ career was? The biggest break? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's kind of been like a steady ride for me, honestly. And and I don't really gauge what I've been doing by like how big of a deal I was at the time or whatever. Like, I, I don't know. Like when you've been doing it this long, it's kind of like there was a time where I felt like a big shot because, uh, you know, I got to play tour dates with Frankie Bones and because I was at a doing award shows. There was a time when I don't know. I won three awards locally here in Denver not too long ago. Um, I don't know. Big press, all that stuff. Like, those are cool accolades. But it really, like, when you're an artist, like, I can't see past here. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I'm in the studio. I'm in the club. That's it. I show up for the other stuff. And if everybody else thinks I'm a big deal or I suck, that's great. Whatever. <laughs> and I, I know, you, you know, you, you said your career spans a, a pretty good time frame there. And this may be a, a difficult question to, for you to answer, though, is who has been your biggest influence when it's come to your career as an artist and why? Ooh, wow. Biggest influence? I don't know, man. That's a really <laughs> tough one. It depends on, like, in what, you know? Because mm -hmm. I really respect a lot of the women out here that are, like, kicking the door down for, you know, saying big things on panels and, like, stuff like that. There's, there's a part of me that thinks that that's like the biggest move. There are people who are tastemakers that I thought, you know, like, I don't know, like I've been obsessed with the prodigy since the beginning of time. And like, um, that's just like stylistically who I love the most, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, there's also like, I don't know, like Nile Rogers, for disco, like he writes everything and does everything. He's like, he's been doing so many different things for three times as long as me. So he's kind of like the amazing man <laughs> that, I, that I don't know how he pulls off all the things that he does. <laughs> but um, I don't know, like I don't, I have a bunch of friends in this industry that are just killing it and I respect them so much. And it's, it's really hard to be like, Oh, I idolize you or whatever. Cause there's just so much, there's so many different elements to what I consider to be important, you know? 
there's licensing and publishing and just, I want to write a movie score one day. So if, I don't know, part of me I, is like, oh, I want to be, I don't know. I want to be Max Martin. How about that? That would I, be I, great. I, I asked this question several times. I've asked this question before. If, if you could score a movie, who, what director would have your preference? Who would you want to, who would you want to work with on that? Who, what, who would you want to? You know, um, I wrote some during the pandemic, I had all these feels going, you know, and I didn't write stuff that was like club appropriate music. I wrote stuff that was more cinematic and I was working at a recording studio at the time that, did a lot of sync placement and stuff, mostly for commercials, but sometimes for movies and TV and stuff. So I was like, I'm gonna make a sync library and I'm gonna write some like more emotional stuff and then write some stuff that's got like, I don't know, big timpanies for the swell and the change in emotion in it and stuff like that. Um, anyway, so I did this total like, I did a side project. I like had some band members come in and um, I made this little licensing library and all i could ever think about was like some kind of like crazy psychological thriller or something um but if i had my dream score have you ever seen baraka it's so rare that i don't know um there's this guy named ron frick who does these um dialogue free long movies um, that are all like real footage and I, and it's like super, super high quality, amazing footage of all different things, but there's no dialogue. It's just music to the background. And the concept is just so gorgeous. And I just, I thought that was the most amazing thing ever. So Baraka, look that a one. Documentary film with no a, a documentary film with no narrative or voiceover. It explores themes via a compilation of natural events Life, human activities, and technological phenomenon shot in a twenty, shot in twenty four countries on six continents over a fourteen month period. It'll make this you cry. I think the there's a new. They did a new edit of it and called it something else. Samsara, I think. Sam Samskara, Samsara. I don't know, but it's beautiful. I've seen all of them. And the sequel good. sequel was made. Samsara. It's the same. I mean, I've seen all of them. So oh, it's so. the update, arguably darker, updated version of many of the same things as Baraka. There you go. All right. Check it out. Interesting. I'll have to check that out. It's not club music stuff at all. It's a total tangent, but it's music and it's like, you know, we got to have feels about what's going on in our world. It's important. Not Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you, do you care about, do you have any social issues that you actively promote or, or, or uh, actively are involved with? Do I promote with? issues? Are you no, not issues. Issue? <laughs> 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 uh, a social awareness or anything that you, you, you get behind or you're a part of that you work with? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, people squabble over things that I don't think should even be issues, like who we're able to marry, for one. Like, why don't people get a life? <laughs> you know, we should be able, love is love. You should be able to love whoever you feel like, in my opinion. And if people don't like it, then they can go not do that. They can go worship whoever they want, and I'm going to go worship whoever I want. And that's kind of like... You know, to me, that seems like common sense, 
But when I see people popping off on the internet about something else and they're like picking on, you know, the LGBT community, LGBTQIA plus community, um, or, you know, or they're picking on any other marginalized community that doesn't deserve it. Uh, I, of course I got to jump in. Mm-hmm. got to do the right thing, you know, mm-hmm. but I don't want to, I, I don't want to like, Hmm. I don't want to speak for communities that I'm not part of because I, as much as I want to like be an ally and say all the best things, it's like getting on a soapbox and being preachy here in, in a, in a DJ interview is just, it's gonna, it's gonna take a really sad turn really quickly. Cause there's a lot of fucked up things going on right now, yeah. you know? So I would, I would really love if I were to see any changes right now in the um, electronic music sphere, we need to get this fentanyl shit under control. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Straight up. Yeah. Yeah. It's I a- don't know. I don't know what that's about, but it's a killer. I hear about it all the time um, and it makes me scared. So that was somebody true. brought that to my attention the other day in an interview we were doing saying, you know, about, Party, you know, throwing events is going to be synonymous with partying. Partying is going to happen. People are going to want to come and have fun. But being more aware of what they're doing when they're partying and doing it safely, I think, was the kind of message they were getting out. And, you know, being in this game for 30 years, I've seen a lot of people come and go, careers destroyed, people go nowhere, lives ruined, all that fun stuff happen yeah. because of that. And how do you control that? element of party and when it's such indicative of the culture itself, you know, and I don't know the answer. I don't think there's an answer to it. Yeah. All I know is we got to collectively figure something out, you know, and I just, I think the more I'm glad you bring it up. I want to be able to like, try to keep things positive as much as possible. So I don't like lose my composure because I'm an emotional person. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, there are a ton of different issues out here that I think artists have the privilege and the ability to speak about and have a platform that is actually, you know, going to help the reach of those ideas and those thoughts. I speak on panels pretty frequently about women in the music business and inclusivity and safety and stuff like that. So, you know, they're, they're different. There are different um, videos of that if people want to see them of me going down that road. So, yeah. Did Did you ever see uh, the movie Amplify Her? Um, which one is that? Who's in it? Who's in it? Oh gosh, the last time I saw it was 2017. I know I saw the um. I think I can picture what the cover looks like and I think I can remember the trailer, but I've seen so many of these documentaries coming out. I can't remember which one is which, but a bunch of my friends are in them all the time. So yeah, I probably did or saw s- snippets of it. Um, trying to find out who was all in it. Uh, yeah. Ian McKenzie and Nicole Sorochan directed it. Um, a hundred drums, Annie Neocenti, Apple Cat, Carol Lynn Michaels, Blontron, Chumland, tons of Denver Jackson, Jen Strom. 
wow, there's a lot, a lot in it. But I remember that that really changed. Uh, it actually made me go on the forefront of of of, of opening the door to not being scared. I was actually persecuted at one point for wanting to put together an all female DJ lineup on my show from female DJs. Persecuted by whom? Well, I was out there. I was trying to say, I see, I noticed obviously doing a live DJ show, like what we do, it was always guys, 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 guys. And I said, well, I know there's girls out there. I know there's other people out there, you know, and Hey, why can't I put together something if my show is running once a week, why not once out of those four weeks, just say, Hey, I'm going to do it all female show, you know? And, and said, it's, it's not all the guys getting together. We're going to, cause my concept of the show was supposed to be to bring everyone together and kind of all break bread, you know, and, and get rid of the animosity of this crew doesn't like that crew. And we can all get along in this thing called music together. And, um, you know, I went out there and it was funny enough. I, I pitched the idea to a couple people out there and, they kind of started talking smack about me. They started talking bad about me online. Like, can't believe it's men or women, 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 women in the industry. And I was like, Whoa, what's going on here? And I'm like, okay. And then it was funny because they also went after another promoter in town who went to go put up all female lineup where he had to have to actually take one of the female DJs, pull her off the roster and put a guy in there. So that way he didn't get heat for it. And this is coming from the same people that were berating me. And I was like, this isn't right. This is not, this is not cool. This is the, you know, bad stuff. And uh, after seeing that movie, when it was, when it was debuted at a festival, I was at, I kind of came back home and I said, yeah, fuck that. I'm going to do what I want to do. And I'm going to put on what I want to put on. I'm my, it's my show and I'm the executive producer. These people aren't investors. They aren't sponsors. You know, all they're trying to do is troll me online for a concept, an idea that I'm really trying to put out there, which is music. And, you know, basically fuck them. And it was so well, funny. that all, Someone's always going to be mad no matter what the hell yeah. you do. Try being a woman and doing anything and not having a hater chiming and, in about anything. First of all, second of all, I think all, all female lineups are awesome. Like I love when I play with all chicks at the club, it's like a vibe. I mm -hmm. love it. Um, I, I also understand that like, being a female is not a brand. It's just a gender. And like when people feel branded and exploited in that, when they, maybe they don't even really want that to be like part of like what they're pushing as, you know, as their mm -hmm. DJ brand, maybe they just want to be like, you know, non-binary or maybe they want to be a girl, but have it not be like, check out the female DJ. Like for instance, one time yeah. um, I won this award and one of my friends was like, I heard you won best female DJ. And I was like, no, I won best DJ. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, like it's different. Yeah, that would be totally different. And, and that's not, and I can totally get that exploitation factor. And that's not at any way, shape or form of how we were looking at it or wanting to do it. It's just like, it's it always just, it's I, I felt that the girls might have other people in town not I shouldn't say girls other people other they were feeling maybe intimidated because it was all guys all the time and they weren't knocking on our door asking to come play you know or or you know they'd be like well I don't know those people and I'm not in with that circle I don't know how to and I always had tried to keep I've always kept in what I call an open table format if people want to come and have fun and play music you're welcome to come on our show and play you know um 
just wrapping it back up, going back to that, that story I was telling, it was so funny that after all that went down, a few months later, they went and the same people that were berating me and this other guy basically came in and threw their own female lineup show and promoted it all over town and everything. And it's like, wait a second, you're knocking us for doing it, and then it's okay for you to do it. It's very interesting. And we were talking a little bit about cancer culture earlier in the, in, in the pre-show and how it's like, what do you do nowadays? You go online and somebody, like you just said, somebody's going to have a problem. Who could sell somebody water? And they're going to be like, but it's not alkaline water. The pH balance isn't high enough. It didn't come from the mountain spring. That's I know how you're gonna fresh mountain water. Shit, but, you know, maybe, maybe uh, in California. <laughs> yeah, right. No, I just, I love it when you put the, I, I do this sometimes online. I'll put the picture up and it's a stick and I'll go, this is a branch. <laughs> and then I was like, no, it's a stick. Just to have some fun, like another fun person that we won't name in this episode that has fun with people poking poking those hornet's nests. But enough about hornet's nests and, <laughs> and controversy and stuff. Let's get back to the music. Okay. So if you were looking at some of the top record labels that you use, top selectors that you could go to, who are the top five labels that you, are your go-to to get tracks from? Labels? I like Labels, I like labels or releases. Like... I get most of my music from DJ pools and from my okay. buddies and stuff. I think labels, honestly, like now people can like self-release so easily. And there's so many ways to make cool music and just not subscribe to like the label structure that I think my favorite labels are the non-labels, honestly. Um, I mean, I'm, I've been signed to a lot of awesome labels though. Like I was on... Play Me, Read Speed's label. I was on Black Hole. I was on Strictly Rhythm. I I don't know. There's just like so many cool ones out there that it's hard to even name them all. I love them all. I, mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's like labels. Mm, that's like for me, it, it depends on where I'm playing because I kind of am like, I'm a little eclectic in, in what I play and where I play. So it you know, if, if you ask me on a Sunday, I might say Anjuna Deep. If you ask me on a Saturday night, I might say Spinning. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, that's fair my enough, Fair enough. And do you prefer intimate clubs or big festivals? To play? Yeah, to play. Mm. Um. That's a tough one. Um, I like, my favorite thing is having a really nice booth. So if it's an, int it, my favorite club out here used to be Beta because their booth was so sick and it was intimate enough for people to come up, but there was a plexiglass so they couldn't like get all up in your face and like oh. be awful to you. <laughs> so <laughs> the problem with like intimate clubs is occasionally you'll get some tourist that's like, you know, play some Drake or whatever. And I'm just like, okay, you know, I might have a remix, but like, also that's, I don't think you know where you are, bro, but you know, um, <laughs> but those are my favorite, like in Denver, because like when I actually get to hang out, I throw a lot of shows myself. Well, I don't throw shows. I have my own nights called Leah Luna and friends out here that I'll play at a venue and then let any of my friends that want to show up that that I know and love and trust as DJs just 
come and tag whenever I'll play like for five hours, six hours or whatever. And if they want to jump in for a few records and then I go get a drink and then we switch back and it's, that's like kind of my favorite vibe. Cause it kind of reminds me of like, you know, being at a house party and just kicking right. it with your friends or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I just, if I have good monitoring and the people are vibing, I, I don't care where it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you become a different person when you get on stage as, as you are a different person off stage or is Lena Luna 100% always on or, or is there a, you know, a character? Leah, or moods. Leah Luna, I like the moon. We got phases. <laughs> I don't know. I work my ass off. So sometimes, you know, I feel like occasionally I've seen somebody in the comments on some interview I did or some, I don't know, press thing or whatever, somebody in the comments will be like, I've met Leah, she's a bitch and whatever. (laughs) I'm like, you probably walked up to me right when I got in the venue and my flight got in late and I had no time at the hotel and I'm just trying to function. And then you somehow snuck backstage trying to meet me at the wrong time. And I said, excuse me. (laughs) And you thought I was a bitch. That's probably what happened. But most of the time I feel like, you know, on stage, um, I don't, I'm a sing songy, I'm a sing songy, like disco gay club raver person that plays underground beats underneath all of that. So like, depending on who you ask, like people will say, some people think I'm uh, mostly a singer and some people think I'm like mostly a DJ and some people play think I play commercial and some people think I play underground. And it really depends on whatever echo chamber they're in and whatever show they saw. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, it's, it's um, oh, I had something I was going to bring. Oh, about, about uh, you know, meeting that fan and having that person put that comment online. And with the advent of, of a social media and mobile devices, you know, it's not something we had back in the club. Like I was telling you about the days when I got started with Donald Glaude. I was probably one of the first guys ever bringing a video camera into the electronic music scene nightclubs in Seattle. And I have footage from Donald back in like 94, 95. Ooh, let's have it. Yeah. I'm I'm, I'm saving it for my documentary when we make the documentary about the DJ sessions. I want to see a baby Donald. Classic footage of him rocking out the decks. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. And I I got the tape in my archives. But, um, you know, it's it's cell phones and everything you get them out there and now you have everyone recording or taking a picture and you might get that one you might get doing like you do something like this and that person snaps a picture of it they go take the image from that and they put it online and say oh my gosh see so and so is picking their nose on stage last night it's like the person rubbed their nose like this because they had a yeah it's like honestly i've dealt with so much shit you it's just like part of the it's part of the gig you know i've heard the most stupid false rumors about myself and i'm just like get a life these people are so jealous and mad like grow up yeah (laughs) that's uh have you ever felt scared when playing an event scared yeah have you ever got scared Uh, before The things that scare me are like when I hear gunshots outside, when I hear ambulances outside, things like that. Like we have to remember that like 
club culture is wild and crazy and people get in fights and people get too fucked up and stuff like that. And I think there's like this like little, there's like a mom in me somewhere. You know what I mean? Occasionally I'll like go in the girl's room and I see someone totally fucked up. I was like, have you been watching your drink? Like what's going on? Those are the things that are scary to me. Like <laughs> singing in public is not scary. DJing, even if like, even if I can't hear myself for a minute because the monitoring sucks or so something happens and I'm like, oh shit, I bombed a mix. Like that's not scary anymore. That's just kind of like, you know, <laughs> whatever it happens. The things that scare me are, are people that don't have their shit together that are mentally ill out here. That scares mm -hmm. me. Not yeah. having not having a mental health care base for artists who are losing their mind and treating fans like shit is another thing. We're not going to get into cancel culture, but like, you know, safety is a thing for me. Mm -hmm. If I feel like there's like something weird going on and I'm kind of like intuitive, like I'm a psychic out here, like somebody's not okay over there. Do I need to turn the monitors down and call the security or whatever, you know, I go into mom mode and that that's scary. Was the biggest crowd you ever played for also your best crowd? The biggest crowd I ever played for, that was probably either Skylab or Candy Festival or Fold Festival. There, I mean, I don't know. I can't, I'm like the girl that can't even tell how many jelly beans are in the jar, you know what I mean? What constitutes is the biggest, the most attended show, the most that were in my room, the most people that were paying attention. Like, what? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think, uh, uh, I don't know. Getting a big look is cool. But like, I think when I was in my twenties, I was more like gunning for like being the biggest deal. And now I'm just like, as long as my calendar's full and people know what's going on and, and everybody's happy and it's, it's a success. I don't care if it's a 200 cap or a 5,000 cap or, or whatever, you know, <laughs> I'm just out here doing work. After, after weeks or months of like heavy touring, do you like, what do you like to do when you get back home to chill down, chill out and, and enjoy life? Uh, go grocery shopping. <laughs> Because I hate eating. When I'm on tour, I feel like I'm always eating out at restaurants and stuff. And for the longest time, I was vegetarian. And that was the absolute worst. I had to start putting meat in my diet. Because when you're in certain cities, and you're vegetarian, and it's like freaking 2am, or you have weird flight schedules or whatever, it's like, Ugh, I just like I hate having to eat at like truck stops. I don't want to eat burgers every day. And when I was a vegetarian, you would think that would make it healthier. But in certain cities, that just is like iceberg lettuce and white bread and cheese and like some dressing or whatever. And I just I got to a point where it's just like I really love if you ever if anybody here is a talent buyer, promoter, whatever, and I come to your city my favorite thing is to get healthy food. That's my favorite thing. It will make me so happy. What's, what's, do you have this on your rider? Um, no, I mean, whatever, <laughs> I'll survive. It's, it's, you know, I hate having an extensive rider because it just stresses people out. But like, usually if, if the promoter knows what he's do, doing, he's gonna be like, oh, she gets in at two, 
she doesn't play until 11 at night, like, hopefully there's some place that she can eat. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's always been one of my goals here at the DJ Sessions to get into, and we're hopefully going to start doing this in 2023, is start to do our own bookings. Um, we do. Um, we started doing silent disco events in 2018, and uh, we're getting those ramped up in 19. Had a big launch that we we're going to do, obviously, in 2020. Nothing happened there, of course. Uh, 2021, nothing really happened there, but we're coming back, and we're now rebranding them. Has called We're calling them silent concerts, and uh, we have seven-channel headsets. We want to put on our own events and have upwards of you know 2,000 people coming and being able to dial in with these seven channels and having a full seven. experience. Seven channels, yeah. Most Usually three. I know. We got the best in the world. Dang. <laughs> Let me so, see those fans. I want to see. I don't even know how. I, used to, I, was, I was working tech for a couple of those companies for a while and doing the setup and stuff. Let me see them. I don't, let me see if I have a pair readily available. Hang on. Intermission. <laughs> hey, I can use one of my new handy dandy mics too. See, this is for ADE. Hey, here we are. Did it cat intermission? <laughs> so, um, no, these are our headsets, and I call these out of the industry. I've seen every type. These ones are what I call the black tie ones because um, they'll turn on. You got the different colors. These are our, this is actually a, my old four color ones. Your green screen is screwing it up. Oh, my green screen's ruining it. There we go. Yeah. So they're all nice laser etched with our logo on the side, and they can rotate the different colors. But it looks these, like they got a bigger frequency response too, just from how big they are compared to the headset. Um, I mean, they're pretty standard. I mean, they're not bad. I, mean, I like them. Yeah. We'll see. And we'll you see. Can, what's, what's cool is you can actually uh, you can black them out. So if you had like a black tie affair or a wedding, you don't have to have them all lit up in the middle of the night and, and doing everything. And though that's the cool point to them. But um, yeah, we got seven channel headsets and we're super excited to start throwing events here and in phoenix arizona we just launched a new division of our company down there so um we'll be looking for like double bookings and possibly working in la as well with another nightclub there uh, we work with a couple nightclubs here in seattle and down there but we can do a pop-up event nightclub anywhere we want and that's what i love about the technology and you know it's z almost zero permitting because there's no amplified music uh, and, and so, you know, you aren't having the neighbors or the people in the area call the police because of subwoofers are going off to three in the morning or whatnot. So I was DJing these really cool, um, sunset yoga events for a while that were headphones. And as someone who practices yoga also, it's just so nice to have like clean sounding, like pretty music when you're doing yoga, it's a whole other experience. And it was also cool. Cause like, it's like this peaceful thing of everybody doing yoga. Nobody else can hear it. And it's all like right here. And even that. Um, we, yeah, we, uh, we came up with the idea of not only uh, in 2020, how to put on safe events using our silent disco concert technology, because people would come to a park, we'd slide the headset across the table, six feet across the table to them in a plastic bag with a sanitized headset, but then they can go a thousand feet away from us listen to the music and still have a collective dance music experience while following all the regulations that were set out in our state for 2020. We wrote the playbook on how Pretty to do good it. Range. 
and we yeah we presented it to everyone um, that we could the governor's office the health department the city the county everyone they're like this is really cool but we can't go on record saying this is really cool <laughs> you know so but um, that kind of kept our spirits up and alive a lot through 2020 and 2021 that we were able to still figure out a way to do events and have people nice have a, like, I like it experience yeah. So um, coming off the back end of that, we're, we're getting 2,000 headsets in Washington, 2,000 headsets down in Phoenix, and, and being able to do year-round events down there, getting everyone involved. So we'll stay in touch with you on that, because I definitely want to have you come play. Um, and then we can have an after-party with a rib-shaking sub. <laughs> brought to you by Mackie, of course. <laughs> Got to drop that plug. Oh, are we plugging Mackie? Yay, Mackie. Mackie's one of our sponsors, yeah. Definitely plug Plug I had some Mackies a while ago. I don't have them anymore. They're awesome. How would you define success as a DJ? Uh, would that be a, you know, a DJ slash producer, I should say. Would that be like a Beatport top 10 hit, sold out tour? What are your thoughts on this? What is success to Leah Luna? I think success as a DJ is being able to make a living off of it, doing what makes you feel good. Honestly, I do a little bit of everything and I feel like if I was touring all the time, I wouldn't feel good. You know, I like playing out of state a handful of times a year. Um, I work in the streaming business 40 hours a week. I have two residencies. You know, I, I have, I'm the assistant engineer at a local recording studio. I just have, a balanced life. Um, and I think some of the, the, the biggest problems with like this, like hustle culture of being successful um, is starting to cause mental illness for people. Honestly, like uh, somebody came on my Facebook, I said I DJed 10 hours last weekend between these two sets on my Facebook and somebody was like, oh, well, so-and-so is the reigning king of after parties because they played for 140 some odd hours in a row. I was like, I'm not promoting that shit. Are you kidding me? Like, you could die. Like, that's totally, like, <laughs> that's way too many drugs, first of all, let's be honest. And if it's not, I don't know how you're doing it. And I've also seen, you know, I, I have a lot of friends that tour big, heavy, like, long, long, long tours. And they come back with like big old beards, like 25 pounds heavier uh, bags under their eyes and stuff. And I'm just like, man, you must have had the time of your life, but are you okay? <laughs> so I don't know. Success for me is getting to play really big shows once in a while, but also having like enough money to, to take some time off to uh, enough, uh, a, a bucket under every drop, they call it, right? Mm -hmm. That your streaming income sorted. If you aren't like, if you aren't administering your own songs and your own publishing, make sure your label is treating you right and stuff like that. There's just there's an economy to all of it that makes it possible to be balanced, and that's where I'm at now. And besides grocery shopping, when you're not entertaining others, what what do you do to entertain yourself? Cats. <laughs> yeah. Cats? Just, I, I got a new cat. He's a mess. I have two. Oh, okay. Uh, and I don't know. I love making music. So that's what I really love to do on my free time. But sometimes, you know, because 
I do so many things in audio and DJing and all of that. Like my favorite thing to do when I have time off is listen to nothing at all and like put on, I actually, I'm a big fan of um, like white noise and all of those different apps that do like brown noise, green noise, background stuff. Like I've been messing with like making meditative soundscapes and stuff like that. I'm very chill on my free time because there's not much of it. So you'll catch me like meditating or going to a spa or a yoga class or something like that, chilling with some cats, getting some purrs in. Mm -hmm. I'm in Colorado too. I like jumping in the river sometimes. (laughs) I'm a mountain person. Ski ski or snowboarder? Nah, dude. I've DJed a bunch of those things. I played the X games or whatever, but like I kind of missed my uh, critical point. And all my friends, like my when I was in high school, my boyfriend at the time was like a major snowboarder and they were always like out getting concussions and shit together. And I was, I was doing the DJ thing, man. I was just pursuing that every weekend. I was going to parties and like going to the record store and buying vinyl and stuff. And I didn't really invest any money into anything else. Snowboarding's expensive. So, you know, I, I missed my, my point of learning for how good all my friends are. All my friends that snowboard, like, totally rip it up when they go out there. And I just, like, sit in the lodge like a mom on my laptop, like, watching everybody's stuff and, like, making a tune. <laughs> the, re- the reason why I just got up, FYI, the reason why I just got up is I heard a noise and I thought it was coming from urine and it sounded like a, a bird cawing. There's- car alarm going off outside no there's a crow right on my windowsill right here that went right. and i couldn't see it because it's behind my speaker i was going to try to turn the computer around but i'd probably screw omen. everything up and i was like okay what are you doing there dude oh there he sees me now or she I don't, oh there he goes flies away okay that was crazy um i couldn't figure out where that sound came from i was that's why i looked around i was like i don't have any cats in here was that was that leah's cat <laughs> How would oh, you? No, these cats have been fighting. I just moved into a new apartment, and the cats are like, they fight a little bit. Like as they're like figuring out the territory, they got their own like real cat, catty looking ass trees and stuff. <laughs> they got two separate ones, and and I'm trying to make it the feng shui in here cat appropriate. But occasionally you'll hear somebody scream. <laughs> how how do you envision your life ten years from now? 10 years yeah. i don't even have a five-year plan <laughs> right now i mean right now i'm living the downtown life and i'm working like a dog because i want to buy a house like i'm doing adulting stuff right now mm-hmm. um and i want to build out a studio in that house and i've been thinking about kind of like starting this like side project to like make music for healing and meditation and yoga and stuff like that. Like I always have these side project ideas and who knows what's going to really take flight or whatever. Like I have this licensing library that I did that has nothing to do with my DJ stuff and, and whatever. But I see myself sitting in my very own studio with all of the sweet preamps that I always wanted to afford and all of the like stylistic paneling that I've always wanted to put up but couldn't because I was a renter and it would waste my life and my money. I see me sitting in that studio making whatever makes me happy. That's what I want. 
my very own. I've, I'm lucky because I've worked in some of the coolest, biggest, nicest studios in town. And, um, you know, I help engineer bands and stuff so that I can pay for my production time. And I'm very lucky that I can do that. So I'm kind of spoiled in the way that like, I'm used to these big old consoles and like gazillion dollar speakers and stuff. And, you know, I'm going to need to win the lottery to like basically do that. But I have enough, I'm, I'm getting enough right now to at least get it started, get the venue sorted. Yeah. Awesome. If you could give one production tip insight to new producers out there, what would that be? Quit ripping off other people's vocals without the stems. Good God. And please, please, if you're going to make a bootleg remix, figure out what key it's in. <laughs> I've never heard those two before, ever, ever. What? Yeah, right. I bet you hear it every time. No, I've never heard those two before, ever, ever, ever. Jesus ever. Those are good. We have so many. I mean, I love, look, I love white labels. I love bootleg remixes and stuff. But if you just take somebody's whole ass song and you throw some other stuff on top of it, that's not a remix. That's a mess. Stop doing that. Get the stems, get the acapella or whatever and make a bootleg. Sure. But I've heard some of these remixes out here. People are like, Leah, check out my remix. I'm like, you literally cut the hook out of the song with all of the instruments and laid some other stuff on it. It's cacophonous. You can't even EQ this. No, 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 no. Wow. I've never, I can't even believe people would do that. <laughs> I'm like what? It's I know enough about music you. production to know, don't do that. <laughs> SoundCloud remixers and Instagram models. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, damn. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Josh <laughs> fire. <laughs> Hashtag shots fired. <laughs> if you could take one non-famous person and put them in the spotlight who means a lot to you other than direct friend, family or friends, direct family or friends, who would that be and why? Ooh. First of all, being in the spotlight is not all it's cracked up to be. It's a liability. <laughs> <laughs> You get as much bullshit as you get praise and it changes your whole entire world. So I'm not going to wish it on anybody that doesn't want it. But I, what I will say is, you know, if there are, I love giving young women like a chance. I have a lot of opening slots all the time. And I feel like a lot of people's demos get, pitched in the trash because people don't get taken seriously for implicit bias reasons. So, you know, I like helping out women, people of color, gay people, stuff like that to like be heard and get to get to play. So if you feel like people aren't listening to you because they're just throwing your shit away for no reason, I'll take a listen to it. I'm not going to just put somebody in, you know, because they're a chick, you have to be dope. But I love hooking up people. It's like my favorite. At, when you get to this age, you it's not about really like who the big deal is and being famous and blah, blah, blah as much, you know? And so it's kind of hard to be like, oh, who would I give a leg up? It's like, 
they have to really want that. I think there's a lot of people that just they play music because it's fun or they play for their friends and some are chasing some are chasing the dream, some are just chasing the bag. You know? So it's like I don't know. That's such a weird question for me because the concept is like, oh fame. Like it just the whole concept of fame is so different for me now. Yeah, to, I, that makes total sense. Um, you know, DJ Hay was in the in the in the chat room, one of our resident DJs, and she definitely wants to reach out to you and and uh, she get you some more information about her. She's pretty awesome. I'm with pretty it. Awesome. She's, uh, yeah, we'll tell you. Well, I'll tell you more about that offline. Um, yeah. But you know, I got a couple final questions here for you. This is one I always love asking guests. If Hollywood were to make a movie about your life, who would you pick as the main actor? me <laughs> hello <laughs> who else would even want to do that i feel sorry for them <laughs> it's dramatic especially if we're going to give it to hollywood because hollywood would blow everything out of proportion right i mean I'm, i'd love to look like scarlett johansson or something but that's just not real i've never had anyone i've never had anyone say they play themselves that's awesome if it was like, if it was like young me, um, what's, uh, what is her name? Millie Bobby Brown. I okay. looked like Millie Bobby Brown when I was a little girl, whenever I watched Stranger Things, like when she was like 10 or whatever in the beginning episodes, I seriously looked exactly like her when I was a little kid. I was like, what the hell? So <laughs> if, it's like, if it's like little Leah with her cassette tapes and stuff, I want like baby Millie Bobby Brown. <laughs> And then, have you? Do you follow the season? Have you been following Stranger Things? Uh, up until it got all sci-fi, like I'm not a. I really like it for the score, and I was listening to it because watching it, watching it. You can see why I do this. I don't even have a television, and when I watch TV, it's usually for something music-related. It's like a documentary, or it's something political that I have to watch, like it's an election year or whatever. But. Um, so whenever I watch stuff, it's usually because I want to get into the score or because there's a character in it or a documentary around a musician. And Stranger Things is just like, they're, whoever their music supervisor is, like, I want your number. I hope you're watching this. And, <laughs> and you want to be watching too. Like that, yeah. And the fact that, like, Kate Bush, like, she self-administered her single for On All Sides way back in the 80s or whenever. And so when that blew up, she got all that money, I heard. Like, there's no, like, splits on this. She banked off that. Wow. Like, I almost feel like it's strategic that somebody was like, let's hook up some, like, almost forgot I don't want to say forgotten artist it's like mean but you know what I mean like there's like young kids now that never knew who she was and out of the blue she's probably just like sitting around like doing whatever in her late life now in her older I, I'm biting I'm just putting my foot in my mouth she but I'm just saying like how cool would that be to just be like sitting on the couch like sitting in the studio doing whatever you're doing in your chill in your more chill years and all of a sudden you get dumped like millions of dollars on you for sync come on that's like the dream that's where I'm going to be in 10 years I'm going back to that question 
There you go. All right. I like it. Hours and put my songs in a movie. That's all I want. Here, here, here's kind of a sci-fi technological question for you. Uh-oh. Virtual reality. Metaverse. Oh, my done- God. <laughs> oh, my God. So. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed. I, I, my friend brought over an Oculus. And people have been trying to get me in there anyway, because like, I'm just in, I'm in the tech world. I'm into like interesting ways of, of licensing music and stuff like that. And a couple people like poked me and were like, Leah, are you into this yet? Like you should get in this space. And I think there's a lot of room for, you know, music supervision and stuff in, in VR. And I was like, Oh, sick. Yeah, that sounds cool. And of course, I never got around to it because I'm so busy. Like, who's going to be like, oh, this is a perfect time to just play video games. But like, uh, it's not video games to me anymore. I went into the I went into the VR space on all these different things my my friend showed me and I never wanted to come back. I can't even believe how cool that is. I worked in augmented reality when it was first starting um, for a little while and it was like, you know, it, it was for like an ad agency. So it was like using your phone to have experiences that had like something in the room with you that wasn't really there, but you could look with your phone and it was there. And I was like, oh, that's kind of neat. Like, and I thought it was going to be something of that degree. And then I put the Oculus on and I was like, oh my God, this is way better than real reality. Why am I not always here? I want to DJ in VR. So anyone? Well, Anyone it's, who's got the sick platform. It's just your luck. We're getting ready. We've soft opened our two nightclubs in alt space. We're getting ready to grand open them here soon. Once I hang all the pictures on the wall, your interview will be up there on the wall along with that exclusive mix that you're going to be sending over to us as well in rotation when people go right. there. And I would be, it would be an honor to have you come play at our virtual reality nightclubs. We can talk more about that offline because yeah, all the information's on our website about them as well. Okay, Leah, this has been a great interview. I've had a great time talking with you. Is there anything else you want to let our DJ Sessions fans know about before I let you go? No. no. Keep positive. Be nice to people. <laughs> Quit talking shit on the internet and be nice to people. And I'll see you in the VR space. Where can people find out more information about you and what you got going on? Oh my God. I guess just Google me. I'm everywhere. But Leo Luna, L-E-A-L-U-N-A is my handle on everything. I, except for on Mixcloud, I think I'm DJ Leo Luna. But um, yeah, I need to upload more content more often. I'm more of a, a face-to-face person. I like playing shows and I'll mention something on my social media, but you don't see me TikToking a lot or whatever else. Follow me on Instagram. Follow me on Facebook. I'm on those a lot. Awesome. Well, Leah, thank you so much for coming on the show. We're going to follow up with you, stay in touch with you. Oh, we want to see, we want to be talking to you for the next 10 years. So every six months, maybe even more than that, but we're going to get you in those VR nightclubs. Yeah. Exclusive mix and we'll be in touch with you here soon. Thank you so much for coming on the DJ sessions today. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. On that note, don't forget to go to our website, thedjsessions.com. Find us on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Meta, in the metaverse at Altspace with our two VR nightclubs, even Roku, Amazon Fire, Google Play, and soon to be Apple TV. Download that mobile app, but the best place to go to find out 
but everything is thedjsessions.com. I'm Darren, coming to you from the virtual studios in Seattle, Washington. That's Lena Luna, coming in from Denver, Colorado, for the DJ Sessions, virtual sessions. And remember, on the DJ Sessions, the music never stops.